0: The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations.
1: So listen with headphones.
0: Or don't. We don't judge.
1: Have you ever wished that your world had more magic?
0: Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a
1: full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series?
0: But do we have a podcast for you.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Claire, and I'm Kat, and this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction, The
0: Dead of Time.
1: Each episode, we read a chapter of this story,
0: which I try to remember from week to week.
1: Try being the operative word.
0: Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time.
1: All right cat so uh it's been what 3 weeks now since we finished season 1 what happened in the first book
0: <laughs> um, things
1: well you heard it here folks things things happened in book 1
0: somebody got brought back from the dead and they it? broke into the ministry of magic who's they serious
1: and well Sirius didn't i mean Sirius did break in but like he wasn't th- no he didn't he waited outside anyway okay first off who got brought back from the dead
0: um somebody
1: once told me the world was i was actually to gonna me. do
0: that but i did it because i thought yeah. you'd be like oh really <laughs> so I-
1: no i mean i'm still gonna give you crap for it but Okay. Who came back from the dead?
0: I thought it was... Wait, Sirius was already alive. Um, No, no, no! Sirius!
1: Sirius got brought back from the dead!
0: Oh, okay. I'm asking
1: about all of book one here, woman.
0: Yes, I know that. I'm trying to remember.
1: It's going to be a long season, folks. I have
0: Arthur Weasley. I can't remember. Like, my dad says, I have CRS. Can't remember shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, same. But... Uh, Sirius came back from the dead after Hermione figured out a life debt ritual. Um, Also, apparently, they created some sort of bond between each other. Uh, So Sirius then joined them on the Horcrux hunt. um, And then from there, they did everything they did in the original series, but this time just with Sirius. Uh, Hermione and Sirius both got splinched. Hermione down her back and like literally split the back of her back the back of her back all the way down her spine open um she's still got the mud blood scar on her arm from bellatrix Strange, except this time sirius turned into a dog and ripped up bellatrix's throat um going to murder my husband because he's making noise again <laughs> well
0: i can't hear him so that's fine
1: oh also this season i am recording on a homemade sound booth and Kat is recording in a closet we're waiting for her to come out but it may take a while um
0: i am harry potter
1: You are Harry Potter, and if Harry Potter taught us nothing else, it's that no one should have to live in the closet. But that does not mean you shouldn't record in the closet, because clothes make for good soundproofing. And that's what we're going for here, folks. Soundproofing. So I'm talking into a box, cats in the closet, life is good. Also, uh, Harry went into the, uh, Forbidden Forest to Die by Voldemort's hand, a gun. Except this time, instead of, Voldemort making Hagrid carry Harry into the courtyard and everybody getting all sad-faced. Hermione, Sirius, Remus, Neville, all of them followed Harry into the forest. Um, Sirius and Remus both got tortured in the Forbidden Forest trying to protect Harry. Hermione ended up getting tortured too. Um, Remus managed to blow up the ground underneath the snake, which got the snake away from Voldemort. And then uh, Voldemort, Neville was able to kill him with a sword and then he tried to hurt somebody else and oh Hermione accidentally killed Crabb senior which was hilarious um well not hilarious but like she tried to kill Voldemort and Voldemort just grabbed this guy and used him as a human shield so like no fucks were given that day anyway uh then Harry wakes up and tries to kill Voldemort and Voldemort tries to kill him and then he kills Voldemort and life is good um so the very last thing that happened in the last book was uh, it it literally ended, I think right at the end of the battle of um oh the other thing Draco Malfoy is good now, cause Sirius threatened to call in a life debt on Narcissa, and to help save Hermione, and Draco ended up killing his dad, right after Sirius killed Bellatrix Lestrange I think Draco also killed Fenrir Greyback, but um. But, uh, Draco hinted that he knew there was a weird connection between Hermione and Sirius. But he's super chill now and, like, saved Harry's life on multiple occasions. So, like, he's a good guy now. Um, anyway, uh, at the very end of the final season, or final chapter slash episode of season one, Harry has killed Voldemort. Ron and Hermione ask how he did it. He says Elder Wand. They do the whole explanation. And, uh... Harry says, oh, I died, came back, but compared to you, that's old news, I guess, talking about Sirius. And the lines that ended the last chapter of book one is, Voldemort was gone, the war was over, all was well, for now. Dun, dun, dun. So after that extraordinarily long-winded entrance to recap thing, yeah, recap, that's what we're calling it. Does any of that ring a bell, Catherine? Yes. Have you actually listened to the podcast? No.
0: I don't like the sound of my own voice, people. I sound like a chipmunk. Y'all ever hear that Christmas song that Alvin and his brother sing, where it's like, I want a hoo <laughs> a hoop That's what I sound like.
1: I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you.
0: I need a new voice.
1: Out of love, because I respect your Well,
0: opinions. I need a new voice. I need to sound like... Wazowski, you forgot to file your paperwork last night. I need a nice cold <laughs> so I can sound like I smoke five packs a day so I can be all like, hello, my bibbit. Ugh,
1: oh, love, Phoebe. So sad friends. I gone. have the box set, but, uh, so I don't oh, care. <laughs> I mean, I could always just go more high-pitched to sound like you or like Mickey Mouse. Oh, oh boy, let's read Harry Potter. Oh.
0: God, don't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, book to the time turner chapter 15 courage and no. craft. i could i wouldn't do that to you guys you might actually no. kill me although people seem to like my voices and apparently people wish that i would read all of their fan fiction so i'm just saying other people respect me and appreciate my gifts
0: you sound like gretchen wieners
1: that's so fetch i don't think my father the inventor of toaster strudel would appreciate that. Can
0: you imagine if your dad invented toaster strudel. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> <sighs> and there's the first note of book two, people. Season two is off to a great start.
0: Jesus.
1: Well, I mean, we've only been digressing for less than like fifteen minutes, so even
0: though somebody said that they Maybe like 15th. my singing. So you need to take Max out more often so I can sing. <laughs> I have a I have a playlist, people.
1: Yeah, the voices inside her head tell her hey. what to say.
0: Hey, Sandra does not appreciate that. <laughs> and we're not by any means making fun of mental health issues. It's just Claire's weird.
1: Yeah, I'm weird. Also, we definitely have mental health issues of our own. So, like, no judgment.
0: Absolutely not. Therapy, man.
1: Therapy, and the stigma. All right. Final thing before we get started. When is Hermione Granger's birthday?
0: How in the heck should I know that? Is it the same as, like, yours or mine or someone we know, and that's why I should know this, or what? I don't get it.
1: No, it is the... So, we premiered the day after her birthday. We premiered on September 20th. Her birthday is September 19th.
0: And why is this relevant?
1: Because book two, The Time Turner, chapter 15 courage and craft starts on september 17th 1998 so two days before her birthday
0: okay well we're on chapter two
1: no we're on chapter one
0: but we're in chapter two book
1: <laughs> book two chapter okay. one which is actually technically chapter five so the book's divided the entire novel series is divided into books but the chapters all are Remain numerically the same. So, like, chapter one of book two is still technically chapter 15. So, if that's confusing to anybody, sorry, not sorry. Uh, Book two is also like 80 something chapters. What? We are breaking it up into multiple seasons. Jesus. I think most of our seasons are 20 chapters or less.
0: Merlin's beard, man.
1: Merlin's beard. I think each one actually, weird. I, I tried to break them up on really good cliffhangers because I'm evil. And Shia. Oh, also, I've been mispronouncing her name literally this entire time. It is not Shayalani. It is Shailani, and I'm super sorry. Oh about
0: my that. God! Just read the sentences.
1: September seventeenth, nineteen ninety-eight. Sirius sat on the front porch of his ancestral home, a glass of Ogden's finest on the step beside him, lit cigarette in his mouth. He scanned the neighborhood curiously, smiling as he watched the people around his home going about their business. With Grimmauld Place under renewed Fidelius and extra muggle-repelling charm for good measure, he was able to enjoy muggle-watching from the open door of his home, even though Hermione often called it voyeurism, considering the muggles in question were unaware that they were being watched. He still found it soothing. It was only one of many criticisms that she brought up in regards to his behavior following the end of the war. Muggle-watching was relatively low on the list of his annoying habits, especially when compared to his drinking and smoking. Now those were grade A pet peeves of Hermione's, that she was not shy about vocalizing. His smoking easily made it to the top of the list once he had permanently signed over Creature to work at Hogwarts. He avoided any talk of house elf enslavement or mistreatment around her ever since. In fact, Sirius had been going out of his way to knock items off her list of annoying habits, thus avoiding any form of confrontation with her. Which was why, at that very moment, he was enjoying an early afternoon drink and cigarette on his front porch, because Hermione was currently not there to berate him about it. You're a Hermione.
0: No, you are.
1: You used to tell me that smoking was going to make my mouth look like a cat's butthole.
0: Because it does, and so do straws, thank you very much. But you're more of a Hermione than I am, because I don't go around correcting people's grammar.
1: Yeah. Since Harry, Ron, and Hermione had moved into Grimmauld Place with Sirius, she spent most of her time secluded in her room. Sirius worried constantly, as did Harry, though everyone else, meaning most of the Weasleys, insisted that perhaps she needed time to herself. It was something Harry reluctantly agreed to, but Sirius outright refused to let her retreat into herself in the aftermath of the war. Following Voldemort's, defeat in the for- <laughs> Following Voldemort's defeat in the Forbidden Forest, the occupants of grimald Place had become celebrities. Harry, Ron, and Hermione were labeled war heroes and nicknamed the Golden Trio, a moniker that annoyed Hermione and fan fiction readers everywhere. Why? Because everyone uses the Golden Trio in their stories. Shia gets a pass because she's one of the early ones, but it's... Brightest witch of her age, golden trio. They're just, they're really commonly used phrases in uh, fan fiction, especially about Hermione. Okay. A moniker that annoyed Hermione, seeing as she was very audible about her dislike of nicknames. While the rest of the wizarding world began repairing Hogwarts, Diagon Alley, and the Ministry of Magic, those who fought in the war were still repairing themselves and the wounds they suffered because of it. Harry's chosen way to heal was to move on with life and be as normal as possible. Sirius encouraged him when he joined the new R training class alongside Ron, invited by the Minister of Magic himself. Kingsley had offered similar positions to Sirius and Draco. Both declined. Sirius with a string of colorful profanities, Draco with a mocking glare. Instead of rejoining the workforce with the efforts to rebuild society, Sirius focused on rebuilding his family, which of course included Harry and Hermione, but also now extended back to his blood, family that he had long ago split away from. Per Hermione's encouragement, he decided to reconnect with his cousins. With Malfoy Manor having served as headquarters for Voldemort and the Death Eaters, the property was confiscated by the Ministry, forcing Narcissa and Draco to seek shelter elsewhere. Andromeda had all but insisted that her younger sister and nephew stay with her, as both women had grown to rely on one another in their grief. Unable to stand the sound of the constantly sobbing women, or so he whinged to Sirius, Draco took his offer to stop by Grimmauld Place any time, quite literally, much to the annoyance of Harry and Ron. Sirius took charge of Hermione's healing himself, since everyone else assumed she was smart enough to know what was best for her. He would wake her every morning with breakfast treats from a nearby bakery— Seeing that he had no idea how to properly use the kitchen in the basement. When she would return to her room or the library to lock herself in for long hours of reading, Sirius would insist that she take breaks and get out of the house. Venturing into the wizarding parts of town made such forays difficult, as her celebrity status kept her in a constant spotlight, which he absolutely detested. So he had suggested some of his favorite muggle locations where they would go and drown in mismatched memories. The nightmares, of course, were the worst. But Sirius had years of dealing with them. Years. (laughs) Guys, I'm out of practice. It's been like, God, how long has it been since we recorded? I think the last thing we recorded was the one on or the four on four with Shia. And that was before Christmas. And it is now January 3rd. We did not get enough recording done over the holiday. Claire's
0: New Year's Claire's- resolution is to learn how to read.
1: I will kill you.
0: Okay, Liam Neeson. I will find you, and I will kill you. Well, you have my address, and you know where I live, and you know where my room is, so you could kill me.
1: Did you tell our fans what I did for you?
0: No. Should I? Yeah. Claire went out in 40-degree weather and got me peanut butter goo-goo clusters. They are the unicorn of goo-goo clusters. They are very hard to find, and the only place you can get them is at the goo-goo cluster factory, which she happens to
1: live near. I do not live anywhere near the goo-goo cluster, but I do work about 15 minutes away. So. Well, same tip. She bitched about it in one of the episodes and said that I should go get her goo-goo clusters, so... Like, the wonderful, lifelong, heterosexual partner that I am. I went and got them for her.
0: Well, I wasn't going to tell you this, but my dad actually gave me a box of them for Christmas. And I said, where did you get these? And he was like, you could buy them on Amazon. And I was like, no way.
1: So now I have... Yeah, they're also like double the price because I almost did that. Also, fuck your dad.
0: Well, now I have all the clusters I need.
1: Yeah, they gon' cluster around your love handles. Cluster. Oh. Well, it's better than
0: a cluster bug.
1: Yeah. Well, you kind of hope they cluster around your ass.
0: I don't need that. <laughs> God, if it gets any bigger, I'm going to be like Kim K and not fit into my dang pants.
1: Dude, somebody the other day, they were like, they were asking my husband, they were like, "Does your wife have any like Latin American in her? He goes, N- no. African American? No really? She's got like a butt. And he's like, "Yep, yeah, nope, pretty much 100% white. Like as white as they come white. So, yeah no. I think it's the German. I know I didn't get it from the Irish side of the family. No offense to the Irish people. Speaking of Irish people, that just reminded me, we have listeners in Finland. Really? So if you are a, if you are a Finnish listener, please reach out to us on like Twitter or Facebook or email because we if you don't live in the United States give us a shout out or actually if you do live in the United States let us know where our, all of our fans are from cuz like those of you who donate on Patreon obviously we can see where you're from and we have people from Australia to Quebec to England but we we apparently have listeners in Finland so that's super exciting hey, and we're giving you a shout I out I
0: know somebody from
1: Finland I don't even know what Finnish sounds like.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I can't really describe it, but it's interesting. Noted. I, I I've like looked over and seen her texting, and she has to go back and forth for the the keypads when she's talking to people at home, and I'm just
1: like, oh my god. The umlauts. I think they have umlauts.
0: Yeah, and I think it's hilarious because sometimes she's like, is this spelled correctly in English? And I'm like, oh,
1: yeah close enough anyway so dead of time yeah we digress the nightmares of course were the worst but sirius had years of experience in dealing with them harry and ron however were horrified by hermione's screams when she woke up shrieking each night the boys would rush into her room in a panic to find sirius already there holding her in his arms and stroking her hair and back until she fell asleep once more harry admitted that he felt responsible for hermione's condition Sirius insisted that he was responsible for everyone in the house, and that Harry needed to let him do his job and take care of them. By extension, that meant Sirius was also responsible for taking care of Draco, who had been ostracized by most of the community, including pureblood society, for his new blood trader status, something with which Sirius was quite familiar. He took the boy under his wing and did what he could to make Draco feel worthwhile. Harry and Ron refused to be anything more than cordial to the Slytherin, so Sirius had suggested that Draco help him get Hermione out of her shell. The two shared the trade-
0: Hagrid is knocking at your door.
1: Sorry. No, it's Jimmy closing the- I think it's Jimmy closing the basement door.
0: Sorry. Oh my god, Claire, can't you just work with me for once? Jesus!
1: Blimey, Harry, I ain't seen you since you was a baby! You're a bit bigger than I remember now, especially round the middle.
0: Yes, that is correct. <laughs>
1: thanks alex trebek
0: that makes me sad i know if i was him i would like have my gravestone say suck it and then here lies alex trebek. <laughs> 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 sorry that's just what i would do if i were him but that's just because i'm weird okay. uh,
1: god i hope sean connery gives an uh writes uh eulogy and puts suck it trebek or, or better yet, Alex Trebek writes a letter to Connery and says, suck it, Connery. That'd be great. But anyway, if none of, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's an SNL bit. Sean Connery plays Jeopardy and he keeps saying, suck it, Trebek, and it's great. Anyway, so Sirius and Draco shared...
0: The two shared the so trait. The two,
1: referring to Sirius and Draco, shared the trait of being able to get under her skin, provoking her to emotions other than apathy, and Sirius was grateful for the help. His gratitude might have been premature. Draco's voice echoed within the house. Sirius! Sirius launched his cigarette into the street as though it burned him, and he quickly poured his fire whiskey over the side of the steps before pushing the glass itself out of sight. Alcohol abuse. (laughs) He took a deep breath just in time to hear Draco's frustrated sigh as the younger man cleared the corner of the entrance hallway. A quick survey told Sirius he er, he had been rash in tossing his vices. Hermione's not with you? Draco's lip twisted in annoyance. "'She'll be here soon. I took the flu because I figured it would be faster since she was headed off to an apparition point. Thought I should give you a heads up about her current mood.' Sirius glared as he walked into the house, closing the door behind him. "'What did you do?' Draco rolled his eyes. "'I did what you told me to do. Took her for lunch. And no, I did not suggest she was putting on weight again.' "'I've still got the burn marks from the hex she sent at me over that one,' he said with a scowl. "'We went to a bloody bookshop.' "'Why is she in a mood, then?' Sirius asked as they moved fully into the house. Reaching for his wand, he cast an air-freshening charm around his body to get rid of the remnants of the cigarette he had abandoned too quickly. Before Draco could say another word, there was a loud crack of apparition from outside. The front door blew violently open and Hermione stepped foot into the house, her mass of wild curls sparking at the end, a look of rage and humiliation clearly painted across her face the second when you read
0: that all i can picture and i'm gonna totally gonna nerd out right now but if anybody has ever seen the first ghostbusters where what's her face gets uh (laughs) zero with a crap his name is inside her body and her hair is like oh ah." that's what that
1: makes oh god what is her name sigourney weaver
0: yeah there we go finding dory i'm sigourney weaver
1: (laughs) i forgot she was in that
0: her voice was yeah
1: she's a gift uh, Thank you. Not you, although you are a gift as well. Um, the second the door slammed shut behind her, the portrait of Sirius's mother began screaming, Blemish upon the noble house of my father! That's a face. <laughs> okay, I have to make the faces to make the voices.
0: Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> the hole, shut your pie hole. Reed.
1: She smiled. She wants to. Yep, 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 yep. Blemish upon the noble house of my father. But before she started spewing out more creative slurs, Sirius flicked his wand to shut the curtains. Stop flipping me off. I flipped you off first. Quit rossing me. He smiled sweetly at Hermione, approaching her carefully as though she were a wild hippogriff, nearly going so far as to bow before her. Afternoon, love. Everything all right? At the sound of the slammed door, Harry and Ron appeared over the rails of the staircase. What'd you do to piss her off this time, Malfoy? Ron called down. Are you two finally done being friends? We're not friends, weasel, Draco sneered. Fine, whatever you are. Is it over? I miss the good old days when we could hex you and she'd punch you in the face. Shut up, Ron, Harry sighed in frustration. Hermione, is everything okay? No! she screamed and immediately burst into tears. Rushing past Sirius and Draco, shoving the ladder with her shoulders, she flew up the stairs in a tornado of sobs. Sirius watched helplessly as she brushed past Harry and Ron, who tried to stop her but failed miserably. Her door banged shut and all of the men let out a collective sigh of irritation. Draco finally broke the silence. Seen the Daily Prophet this morning? He handed the folded paper in his hands over to Sirius, before turning on his heel toward the large formal dining room, likely rating Sirius's secret stash of scotch, Draco's not-so-secret guilty pleasure. I'd like to say that I said Sirius's secret stash of scotch without stumbling. Twice. How bad? Harry asked as he and Ron descended the stairs to meet with Sirius in the hallway. They cast their gaze over the opened paper in Sirius's hands, where a large, moving picture of Hermione and Draco is plastered on the front page. The two appeared sitting outside Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor. Ugh, so good! Neither looked overly pleased in the photo. Though, as the picture moved, Draco pushed his half-eaten Sunday across the table to Hermione. It had only been a few days ago when Sirius suggested the two get out of the house. Harry and Ron had been at the ministry undergoing R training, while Sirius made plans with Remus for the day. Hermione had spent the night dealing with a particularly bad nightmare, and when Draco showed up bored, Sirius had asked his young cousin to distract her. It was not the picture that caught his attention, but the ridiculous headline and attached article surrounding it. Harry Potter broken by golden girl! By Rita Skeeter. Ugh. Sirius groaned, and began to read it aloud. It seems the boy who defeated you-know-who twice has more on his plate than fighting dark wizards in the weeks following his great triumph. As this reporter stated in her latest award-winning biography, Golden Trio, Young Love and War, said Golden Trio, consisting of war heroes Harry Potter, Ronald Weasley, and their shared love interest Muggleborn Hermione Granger, spent the better part of this past year on the run from the forces of darkness. Under the pressures of war, they found love in the arms of one another. Details of the love triangle can be found in the pages of Golden Trio, Young Love and War, available at local bookshops now. It's no secret that Gryffindor Golden Girl spent the majority of her time at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry in the arms of many famous young heartthrobs. She first appeared on the scene during the Triwizard Tournament, which had been brought back to Hogwarts in order to establish unity between the wizarding schools. Unfortunately, Miss Granger brought dissension to the tournament in the form of her first love triangle between herself, Harry Potter, and famed Bulgarian Seeker and Triwizard Champion, Victor Crumb. Despite our world still healing from the aftermath of the war, it appears that Miss Granger has no qualms about inflicting new that I got too fast. Despite our world still healing from the aftermath of the war, it appears that Miss Granger has no qualms about inflicting new wounds on her famed lovers Potter and Weasley. The Princess of Gryffindor now finds herself in the arms of self-proclaimed Slytherin prince and supposedly reformed Death Eater Draco Malfoy. It begs many questions, including... Stop reading, Draco advised him, reappearing at Sirius's side with a glass of scotch in hand. Let's just say that mine and Granger's loyalties in the war are called into question, and she's also rumored to be pregnant with my child. But depending on whether or not the child comes out with red or black hair, it could be one of yours, he said, gesturing to Ron and Harry, who gaped at him. I know. I don't get it either. As if any girl would pass up sex with me for either of you. Harry shook his head, staring down at the words. This is really bad. Very observant, Potter. Now... One of you, go fix her. Draco gestured his hand towards the stairs. If I wanted to be around crying women, I'd go home to my mother and my aunt. In fact, I think I do prefer their company, he said, finishing his scotch and setting the glass down on a nearby dresser. Cousin, always a pleasure. He dipped his head to Sirius and headed for the door. I fully expect to be compensated for being forced to deal with an irate muggle-born. Pratt? Ron muttered as Draco disappeared from the top step of the porch. Sirius turned and smiled at his godson. You want to take care of her? Harry glared at Sirius and Ron. Cowards! Sirius shrugged. He knew that Hermione in this state was something he had a reputation for making worse. Sad and distraught, he could handle. Scared or passionate, he could certainly help with. Wow, wow. But when it came to the humiliation of publicity... He was terrible at comfort. He'd had plenty of publicity himself and took it all in stride, either energetically feeding into the rumors for his own amusement or ignoring the papers altogether. Making such suggestions to Hermione would only piss her off, and this was one week where he was determined to keep on her good side at all costs. "'Remus is supposed to be over soon,' he said. "'If she's up to company, we can stick her in a room with him. "'They can communicate over bad publicity, "'and he can cheer her up by talking about boring books.'" Looks like I won't miss much then, Ron nodded and headed towards the flue. I'm going to stay at the borough for a few days. Mum's upset because I never come round anymore. Don't forget, Hermione's birthday is Saturday, Harry reminded him. I got it, Ron said with a smile and stepped into the green flames of the fireplace, vanishing from sight. All right, Sirius said with a chuckle, returning his focus on Harry. You go and be the big hero. Tell her you'll pull the chosen one card and have the daily profit shut down. Harry shook his head with a laugh. He really overestimate my influence. He made his way up towards the stairs towards Hermione's room just as the front door opened and Remus stepped through. Though he complained to Sirius about little sleep dealing with Teddy and an exhausted Tonks, Remus still looked younger than ever fatherhood clearly suited him, as well as marriage, though he often said he was eager to get out of the house as often as possible, considering he and Tonks had both been cooped up for the length of her pregnancy at Sirius's request. Is she here? Remus asked, upstairs in her room, more than likely sobbing her heart onto Harry's good-natured shoulder. Sirius gave a wry half-smile and led Remus into the large dining room where he narrowed his eyes at the open bottle of scotch on the counter. Sirius wondered how on earth Draco was surviving at Andromeda's place without having house-elves constantly picking up after him. Remus sighed. I take it she's read this morning's paper? The suggestion that Hermione, of all people, would have a love affair with Malfoy is hysterically funny. I'm sure she doesn't see it that way. Give her a couple of days, Sirius said, his words laced with hidden meaning that only Remus could fully understand. I personally think there are more amusing romantic pairings for Hermione. Remus grinned slyly at Sirius, who rolled his eyes, giving him a rude gesture with one hand, while he set his bottle of scotch back into the cupboard with the other. He sighed as he ran his finger over the lineup of liquors in front of him, taking note of which ones had collected dust over the years due to neglect. At the end sat an old, half-empty bottle of... Blishen's Fire whiskey? Mm. Sorry, guys. I've never seen that one before. Blishan's Fire Whiskey that he remembered was his father's favorite brand. 1971. A good year. So, what's left to do? Sirius asked anxiously. Remus raised a brow. For the party. I'm a little more concerned with what happens after the party, Moony. Sirius eyed his friend. All I have to do is open my house to all of our friends who want to spoil the witch and stay sober the day of. You're the one in charge of the important stuff. Are you sure you're ready? Does it matter? No, but it's always been a time-sensitive issue, Remus admitted. Lost yet? Yes. (laughs) Sirius let out a loud laugh at the ironic choice of words. I'm ready. After a moment, his laughter faded and he eyed the fire whiskey in the cabinet, wondering if the different brand would be able to ease his worries since Ogden's no longer did the trick. I hate not knowing how this will all play out. If it works and she... "'It's going to bring up a lot of shit from the past, "'and I'm going to have to tell Harry everything, "'never mind the rest of the world and, Merlin forbid, Molly Weasley.' "'I'm planning on not being here when Molly finds out the truth,' Remus admitted. "'I'd like to at least live to see Teddy go to Hogwarts. "'Do you have the bracelet?' "'I snatched it from the Potter vault when I went with Harry a few months ago "'to find a gift for Ginny's birthday. "'I suggested he give her something of Lily's.' made it easy to dig through the jewelry boxes without him catching on. It's all wrapped up and ready to go. How about your little gift? It's all set. God, it's so hard. Their voices are so close together. Tugging anxiously on the silver chain around his neck, he asked, Do you think she's going to be pissed at us? At me? Possibly. You? Undoubtedly. Sirius groaned and rubbed his hands down his face fan-fucking-tastic so what do you think of book two so far
0: what's going on i'm so lost
1: yay i i'd just like to point out the fact that you've been lost literally this entire series because there's a lot of hinting and a lot of suggesting and a lot of foreshadowing and you're not going to get it until the end of this chapter beginning of the next chapter
0: great yay I just want the dirty stuff to come because that's what I can commentate
1: more. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of stuff to commentate on in the next chapter.
0: Oh, lovely.
1: Oh, well, it's not dirty. But it's crazy. Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy?
0: Sing it, cat. You need to calm down. (laughs)
1: You hate me and you don't want me to ever have fun.
0: I'm just here so I don't get fined.
1: That's fair. (laughs) I got a stuffy nose. It's winter. (laughs) Okay, shut up. You live in a place where they're on like the 286th day in a row where the high temperature has been over 85.
0: At least I'm warm. Yeah. I can go to the beach. Bish. Go fuck yourself. Well, I do because I don't have a man. Oh
1: my god. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, you heard it here first. (laughs) Sounds like those beer bottles are still losing their labels.
0: Well, they're not because I haven't been there in a really long time. I actually haven't had a drink in a really long time.
1: It was like New Year's two days ago. Did you not?
0: Yeah, you know what I was doing on New Year's? I was crying and then i had to suck it up and go to my family that was in town's hotel room so we could play this really stupid game called avalon which is very very hard by the way I love so that game. because i was frustrated and not in the mindset to figure it out i quit and i sat on the couch and drank hot chocolate when my dad played and then at 11 30 i was like we have to go home so we came home i went to bed being all sad and stuff so yeah
1: Jimmy and I paid a $15 cover at our favorite dive bar and it came with a free breakfast buffet.
0: Well, good for you.
1: If anybody ever wants to make me happy, literally all it takes is biscuits and gravy. That's it. And bacon. Mainly oh my biscuits god. and god. Are you going to cry? <laughs> Look at that. Oh, it's a baby and it's really cute. Why are you looking at Instagram? We're recording a podcast. We're talking right now. Okay, turn off your ADHD. It's reading time again.
0: It's a baby. I'm a little baby. Sorry, that's Frankie. He stole my name. Anyways.
1: That's the sound of an empty uterus, friends.
0: No, that's the sound of a lonely, bitter person who hates the world.
1: That is also true. Other thing from book one that I forgot to mention, though. This actually is important. Um, My segue... (laughs) well i just saw the date and i remembered so hermione and sirius kissed right yeah and sirius was like we'll talk about this kiss when we're not in the middle of a giant war right
0: sure why not
1: actually no you know what come to think of it i think they had this discussion while they were on the run but anyway clearly there was some sort of weird connection between them there was clearly some sort of bond and you think. think and- <laughs> no like an actual magical bond though and sirius said that they would discuss the bond the day after her birthday
0: oh that's coming up because the sentence says it was the evening of her.
1: Uh they're supposed to talk on september 20th 1998 the day after her 19th birthday Uh... so september 19th 1998 the evening of her 19th birthday was strangely calm Hermione's friends gathered together at Grimold Place, where Mrs. Weasley had spent all day cooking up a feast despite pleading with her not to make a fuss. Since Hogwarts had yet to finish the repairs on the castle, the opening of the school had been postponed until November, which allowed Ginny to attend the birthday celebration. Hermione, however, had been upset about the delay considering she had decided to return to school to make up her seventh year. Because of course she did. Despite Sirius telling her over and over to take her time making up her mind about going back, she refused to be swayed. Guests began to arrive, and Hermione tasked herself with being a dutiful hostess while Sirius played bartender to all of the new arrivals. She thanked them for coming, insisting that they did not need to, and hoped that they had not changed plans on her behalf. Look, it's you! How? Because you are always trying to, like, not be a burden on other people. Unless it's me, in which case you just, like... Slap that shit on top of me like Louis Vuitton matched luggage.
0: Well, that's why you were born.
1: Yeah, I was literally here to be your bellhop. Is that the term? Emotional baggage bellhop. Sure. I'm your emotional baggage bellhop.
0: Hey, that would be a really cute Halloween costume for us if we're ever in the same
1: place at the same time. <laughs> we're both dressed as bellhops <laughs> just carrying suitcases that say like childhood trauma, anxiety, <laughs> depression, emotional instability <laughs> toxic ex-boyfriends <laughs> yeah oh, jesus actually everybody congratulations there's your halloween costume for next year you're welcome you mean this year Oh yeah it's 2020 i can see clearly what halloween's gonna look like
0: because i got 2020 vision oh my god <laughs> it's the roaring 20s all over again we're all gonna be wearing fringe doing the charleston
1: hell yeah there's gonna be fucking legal machine guns and there's gonna be a plague just like there was in the 1920s and the 1820s and we may even have a world war just like we did in the last 20s it's gonna be great also prohibition anyways
0: the dead of time
1: (sighs) don't forget come to nashville so we can party it up at the prohibition style speakeasies
0: You have speakeasies? We
1: have speakeasies. It's very in right now. Okay. So, dead of time. As the presents were brought in and stacked on a large table in the corner, she paled. It was one thing to have her friends make a big deal about her birthday, but quite another for them to expect her to awkwardly stand in the spotlight and be doted upon with gifts she did not need whilst everyone stared at her. It was not until Remus and Tonks made their entrance with little Teddy that she excused herself from the Welkin wagon committee, taking the tiny boy into her arms with a bright smile. Can I just have him for my birthday? Hermione grinned as she snuggled her face into the side of Teddy's plump cheeks, kissing him repeatedly as he giggled and changed his hair from straight blue locks to honey brown curls. He's teething. Feel free to keep him, Remus said with a smirk. Tonks gave a little chuckle at her husband's comment and kissed Hermione's cheek in greeting. Hermione took notice of Remus's tired eyes and how he looked at her with a sad smile before excusing himself to the loo, slipping downstairs. She pretended to not notice the small gift in his hands. "'Give me my godson!' Harry demanded with a happy laugh as he stole Teddy from her grip and held the boy proudly, as Teddy's hair changed from brown curls to straight black." He's going to end up with issues, parents who are too eager to hand him over, and hovering Hermione who won't stop kissing him. You're too old for him, Hermione. Age is just a number, Harry, Hermione chuckled as she ran her hair through Teddy's now messy black hair, trying to get the back to stay down. I should know. I've been reminded of my own age many times today. There was a loud whoosh from the room, and Hermione looked up to see Ron stumble out of the fireplace, a haphazardly wrapped gift in his hands. Happy birthday, Myony! He kicked her, kissed her cheek in greeting. Thank you, she said, looking at the gift. Any chance I can convince you to return whatever this is, and instead stop calling me Myony? Ron scoffed. Human nicknames. Sirius calls you kitten. That's not a nickname, it's a pet name. Oh. <clears throat> that's it's a
0: pet name <laughs> that's
1: not a nickname it's a pet name sirius defended handing a bottle of butterbeer to ron
0: uh, it's funny it's a pet name uh, kitten
1: do i look like a pet to you hermione put her hands on her hips and then as sirius opened his mouth she narrowed her eyes don't answer that is it time for presents yet Ginny bounced on the balls of her feet "'snatching Ron's gift and tossing it onto the large pile on the table. "'I'm dying to know what everyone got you, "'and if anything's better than my present, which is so unlikely.' "'Hermione frowned, feeling uncomfortable at the ridiculous pile, ridiculously large pile of gifts. "'I really wish you hadn't all gone to such trouble.' "'Ginny ignored her entirely, "'looping her arm through Hermione's and dragging her towards the table.' Gifts were opened, and Hermione spent the better part of of a half hour thanking people graciously, while feeling extremely guilty since so many people had put forth so much effort and were far too generous. Most of her friends bought her books, which was expected, though Ginny had given her tickets to a weird sister's concert for when she would be home for Christmas. Harry had given her an old book on runes that er, that he had found in his family's vault. The inside cover had Lily Evans written in lovely penmanship. Fred and George gave her a large box of various Weasley's Wizard Wheezes items that she was afraid to touch, and Ron had given her a gift card to Honeydukes. When most of the guests departed for the night, Hermione was grateful to see them go. She had been more introverted than usual since the end of the war, and a big gathering made her a bit anxious. She had gone to help clean up after the party, but but a determined Mrs. Weasley refused her assistance, so Hermione thought to retire to the library. She turned to go down the stairs, but was instantly blocked off by a sweetly smiling Sirius, a small crimson box in his hands. "'You thought I didn't get you anything?' He grinned smugly, and she blushed. "'Open it.' Hermione opened the small container as Sirius held it out for her, and her attention immediately fell on a shiny gold bracelet that flashed red in flickering lights of the overhead chandelier. She gasped at the sight, instantly recognizing it as is goblin-made and therefore expensive, though she could not bring herself to yell at him for going overboard, considering the very genuine look of anticipation on his face. She felt her cheeks flush, wondering if a gift of this kind was some sort of pure-blood gesture. There was a book in the library about courting protocols, but Hermione had avoided it, not wanting to be teased should Harry or Ron or, God forbid, Draco catch her reading it. Sirius, this is too much. It's really not, he insisted, pulling the bracelet out and putting it on her extended wrist, setting the clasp. Just an old heirloom I had lying around. He smiled down at her, and she momentarily got lost in the variations of gray in his eyes. The warmth in her cheeks turned red-hot under his gaze, forcing her to turn away from him. She and Sirius had yet to discuss the bond that came along with the life-debt ritual she had used to bring him back from the veil. Any mention of the bond or the extremely steamy kiss they had shared in the caved-in passage after destroying Hufflepuff's cup, and he would repeat the promise he had made while they had been on the run. They would discuss it all the day after her birthday. Though she was not certain why he insisted on putting it off any longer, she had agreed. Suddenly, she realized how nervous she was to bring the subject up with him. Despite the butterflies in her stomach, she whispered, "'Tomorrow's the day after my birthday.'" Sirius leaned in close and tucked a curl behind her ear, making her shiver. I remember. We'll talk then. I promise. Hermione turned her gaze down to look at the beautiful gift. She strained her focus for a moment as she saw an engraving on the goblin-forged bangle and raised a brow. Sirius, these aren't the words of your house. I never said it was a black heirloom, Sirius laughed. I wouldn't dare to give you anything that once belonged to my psychotic family. Animo et estutia. Hermione repeated the Latin words aloud. Sirius, where did you get this? By courage and craft. She quirked her lips, knowing the translation of the words herself. I asked you where, not how. Harry came around the corner. Where have I heard that saying before? Anywhere in Godric's Hollow, Sirius replied. "'You might have read it on anything in your vault in Gringotts. "'Those are the words of the House Potter.' "'At his explanation, Hermione's eyes widened, "'and she moved to unclasp the bracelet "'as though it were suddenly deemed much too valuable "'and delicate for her to wear. "'Sirius, I can't accept this.' "'Yes, you can. "'It was... "'It belonged to Harry's family. "'Now it's yours.' "'I'm not a Potter, Sirius. "'I can't accept this.' She turned around, extending her wrist to her best friend, insisting that he take it off of her. Harry, you should... Nope. Harry shook his head, cutting her off with a smile that somehow made his green eyes sparkle. I agree with Sirius. You're my sister, and that makes you a potter. Besides, I like the idea of you having something that connects you to my family. If anyone honors the words of, ha- of my house, it's you. Courage and craft? Might as well say Hermione Granger. See serious gestured to Harry. Even Harry says it's okay. I still don't feel right about it, but fine, Hermione frowned, suddenly feeling very guilty and unworthy at the same time. You can take it back anytime you want, Harry. When you have children of your own, you can pass it along to them. Harry laughed. Just take the gift, Hermione, and stop arguing with everyone. You fought every single person who brought you a birthday present tonight. Well, I told you not to get me anything in the first place, so it's not my fault, she countered. Sirius interrupted the back and forth. I think we're missing the big moment here. I gave her a birthday gift, and I haven't gotten any thanks. <sighs> Thank you, Sirius, Hermione, Hermione gently murmured before she leant in and kissed his cheek, the soft hair of his beard tickling her lips. Now, if the two of you are done forcing presents on me, I'm excited to go to the library and read all of my new books. She grinned and hugged Harry before turning and walking down the stairs, through the open doors of the large black family library, where Remus had been kind enough to deposit the large collection of new books that her friends and family had given her that evening. She turned to the stack of tomes that had been assembled in a tower on the large oak coffee table in the center of the room. On top of the stack settled a small crimson box tied with a gold ribbon. Assuming it was another gift from Sirius, since the boxes matched, Hermione sighed and spun back to shout at the door at him. When she turned, however, she came face to face with Sirius and Remus, who were lingering in the doorway. She narrowed her eyes at Sirius and gestured to the gift. What's that? That's actually for me, Sirius smiled softly. Oh.
0: Remus smiled softly. Shit, did I say Sirius? Yes.
1: Sirius is right above Remus, so I swapped it. My bad. Thank you for catching. That's actually for me, Remus smiled softly. Oh. Hermione said, embarrassed, as she recalled the box that he had earlier disappeared with. Her curiosity was certainly piqued as she wondered what could be inside and what Remus would want hidden from the rest of the party guests. Dora and I are heading out. I wanted to come and say goodbye. Remus slowly approached her, looking incredibly anxious as he pulled her close to him, wrapping his arms around her. She hugged him back tightly, feeling as he breathed deeply. I hope you had a wonderful birthday, Hermione. You really deserve something good after everything you've done. She ignored the praise and released him, reaching for the box. Let me open your present while you're right here. Remus gently grabbed her wrist before she touched the gift. No. Wait until I leave. It's private. Her eyes widened slightly and she watched as he winced, his face turning a bit pink. I I mean, it's just, you might not like it. He frowned, and his soft green eyes momentarily flashed gold. The next time I see you, you can tell me if you like it. Is everything okay? She asked quietly, knowing that those quick flares of color in his eyes only shone through when Remus was dealing with emotional or physical triggers. Hope so, he said. He gave her a tight smile before letting her go, placing a hand on Sirius's shoulder before vacating the library. Is he okay? Hermione asked worriedly. He's got a lot on his mind, Sirius said. We've been going through a few stints of nostalgia lately, brought up some intense memories from the past. He shrugged and slowly walked into the room, reaching for her bracelet-clad wrist and tugging her toward him. It's almost the day after your birthday. She swallowed and nodded nervously. Before we dig into old magics and awkward adult conversations, will you allow an old dog one last moment of recklessness, he asked. His eye, gray eyes, dark and deep. Your eyes are getting real wide there, friend. They can't see Ah. your face. (laughs) She's making a lot of facial expressions. They're just not coming across verbally. Her breath hitched in her throat, terrified that the warmth his touch was spreading through her body was caused by the magic she had used to bring him back to life. A strong part of her doubted the authenticity of his affections, but she didn't have the heart to push him away, so she nodded her head in consent.
0: They're gonna bake some cookies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sirius cupped her cheek with the palm of his hand and leant in towards her, ever so slightly brushing his lips against hers. She could tell he wanted more. His hands were shaking, and he appeared to be holding in a breath, leaving her struggling to think of how to respond. She knew what she wanted to do, of course, but... With Harry just upstairs, she couldn't seem to find that infamous Gryffindor courage. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah, like Harry gives a crap. Oh, if you geez. find out
1: your best friend was bonking your godfather, you'd be pretty upset.
0: Yeah, well, can it can't be worse? What happened to me at Burning Man? But anyway. <laughs> That was a whole new level of friendship right there. Anyway. Awkward. You have no idea. Three times.
1: <laughs> We're not giving any more context than that, friends. You can use your imagination. Thank God. A shiver went down her spine, and she breathed in deeply. Sirius smelled like fire whiskey, leather, and the lingering hint of tobacco, which made her want to scold him, but not right then. Before she had a chance to properly react to his lips against hers, he pulled away from her with a nervous stare. Happy birthday, kitten, he whispered, his fingers momentarily tightening their hold on her. No matter what happens. Promise me you'll just try to be happy, all right? Serious, I don't understand. No, nope. no more talking until tomorrow. Now, open Remus' gift. He's been fussing about it forever. He smiled and stepped away from her, moving towards the door of the library until... With what looked like great reluctance, he slipped out of the room. Hermione exhaled slowly, trying to ease her racing heart. Why did Sirius have such an effect on her? It had to be magic. He had been so different since she had pulled him from the veil. She remembered that, before he died, he sometimes avoided her while she stayed at Grimmauld Place, almost to the point where she thought he disliked her, which hurt, because she always felt a little drawn to the mysterious wizard. Since he had returned from the veil... Sirius had been overly attentive, protective of her, and abundantly flirtatious, though she assumed he was that way with many women. However, she had never seen him kiss another woman, and certainly not like how he had kissed her during the battle, or just now. Refusing to get caught up in the mysteries of Sirius Black, Hermione turned her attention to the crimson box on top of her new books. She smiled, thinking how silly it was that Remus was so worried about her not liking his gift. He was always so thoughtful— Despite the age difference, and the fact that he had once been her professor, she considered him one of her most treasured friends. She was certain to love whatever it was he gave her. She picked up the small box and pulled on the gold ribbon. When her fingers touched it, she realized it was not a ribbon at all, but a small gold chain. She raised her brow at the sensation, and her eyes grew wide with panic. The chain suddenly glowed bright blue and she felt a familiar tugging behind her navel that screamed, Portkey to her experienced body. But there was also another familiar sensation, something she had not felt in years, the feeling of flying backwards very, very fast. And that's the end.
0: I, uh... wow.
1: Any guesses? I know, I know, you never have guesses.
0: Because I have absolutely no idea. That's fair. Whatever, it's fine. I'm not the only one. That's true.
1: No guesses? No thoughts? What do you think of what just happened?
0: I don't even know. Like, I don't even know.
1: Is your mind blown? Are you confused? Are you feeling all of the emotions?
0: Yeah, I have a feeling stuff's gonna go down. Like
1: Chinatown. Yeah. It's own like Donkey Kong. Also, the title of book two really should have given this away, but that's fine. You weren't paying attention. Scroll up to the top. I'm not Harry Potter smart. Scroll up to the top. It says book two with the title and chapter two. With, or chapter 15 with the title what's it
0: called oh it says the time turner and that's what got spoiled for me ah uh, knowledge <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: cool so any guesses where she's going
0: back in time
1: no shit Sherlock where
0: uh oh Claire froze video is frozen Oh, she's moving again. Look at that.
1: Where do you think she's going in time? Back to the
0: future. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> fucking <at> you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Marty fly. Uh, Are you Calvin Klein? Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. It's wait. coming, folks. Okay, it's coming. Now it might not be coming. I, I have an idea, but it sounds stupid. Say so, it. So, the whole entire thing is called the debt of time. So, she's going back to when there was some kind of debt in a moment in time.
1: I mean, kind of. That
0: sounded much better in my head.
1: <laughs> We're looking for time frames here, woman.
0: I have no idea. The movie, she went back to saving Buckbeak. What do
1: I know? Well, yeah, but this isn't the movies. And this is also six years seven years after that
0: well i don't know
1: no i can't fucking math four to five years jesus
0: i have absolutely no idea i just understand that she's going back in time to when there was something with a debt and that's all i know because it's in the title oh look at she's mad (laughs) eye. oh look at that
1: (laughs) i'm making funny faces anyway um i think this is probably going to end up being one of our our longest chapters because we are now at a hour and 15 minutes almost which is
0: wild jesus
1: but this was also a stupid long chapter so before we go we'd like to thank our new patreon supporters and our producer level foxes for all of their magical support our foxes are carissa horton krista ryder Ashley Thurman, Brittany Lopez, Claire Luciano, Elise Wolfson, Jillian Foles, Martina, Miranda Eskew, Sophie Segator, Amanda Zercher, I'm certain I butchered that name, and Ashley Enstrom. Our newest donors, one of our newest ones, is of course the poor girl I just butchered, Amanda Zercher. and Brittany Lopez, thank you so so much. We would also like to thank Sarah McFarland, Shay Hearn, Kelsey Malilo, Ryland, Crystal Lewis, and Beth Vonner. Thank you so much for all of your support. We really, really appreciate you guys, and we would not be able to make this podcast without your help. This is also when I come to you and say that we understand that the holidays just happened, which is probably why a number of you may have reduced or removed your patronage, which we get. Totally understandable, holidays are important, and they're very, very expensive. This podcast does cost a fair amount to create, and the people footing the bill for that right now mostly is us. So, if you like the podcast, if you like what we're putting forth, if you want this wonderful gift that we have given you, in our not-so-humble opinion, because we think we're pretty awesome, if you'd like this to continue, please, please, please donate to the patreon even if it's only a dollar that's great if you can't afford to donate to the patreon we completely understand we look glad that you listen bumping up our numbers is great if you'd like to contribute in a way that doesn't cost you a thing please 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 go on to apple podcasts and review us the more five-star reviews we get the higher up we go on their list and the more likely we are to be recommended to other people so please take a minute go leave us a five-star review on apple ain't that right cat
0: yeah click those five stars
1: yep we also like it if you leave us a little note they're great we appreciate them
0: as long as they're not mean
1: yeah also no no mean ones that's hurtful somebody gave us a one star somebody else gave us a two star and no explanations rude it's probably because cat sounds like a chipmunk <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i mean we like constructive criticism but just don't be like a butt face about it
1: Email us, email us with constructive criticism. Just don't leave it on a public website where we can't pull it down. We're on Facebook You know,
0: we should do a thing where if we get like a certain amount of like new patrons in a month that I get to do a singing episode.
1: <gasps> Actually that was something we were considering doing. Uh let us know if you're interested. We were considering setting up a PayPal link on our website where you could do a one-time donation, be it $10, $20, $500, we would really like you. Um, But you would be, we'll look for some sort of like really extra perk, like Kat singing a voicemail recording for you, or just singing your favorite song in general, or me doing a voice, or something wild and crazy. But um, yeah, uh, that's, Something that we are considering doing, if you would be interested in donating to something like that, where it's a one-time donation for a reward, please let us know. Let us know how much and what you want, and we will figure out a way to do that. Stop hitting your head and rubbing your eyes. You're going to give yourself pink eye again.
0: I didn't have pink eye. I had a sty. There's a difference.
1: Okay, Mad-Eye Moody.
0: Hey, I'm not the one with the lazy eye, Muggle.
1: I only have two lazy eyes. They change.
0: Okay, so we need to end this because it's past my bedtime. Preach. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey.
1: A special thank you to Shia Lani for allowing us to read your story.
0: And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes.
1: You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod.
0: And on Twitter at FWHpodcast.
1: And on our website, FWHpod.com.
0: If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts.
1: Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See
0: you next Fire Whiskey Friday.